What's happening? What's happening, Minnesota Timberwolves world? You are tuned into the Coach and the Culture podcast. It is a Minnesota Timberwolves based, but Minnesota basketball in totality podcast. I am Coach Frank, and I am the guide on this ride. And we have the super producer, Lloyd Leah Coop, that's going to make it sound good by the time you hear it. What's up, man? Man, I, it's been a while. It's been a long time. That's why there's no poem to start the beginning of the show because the coach and the crooner is now completed its life cycle. I have turned 50 this week. Congratulations, my brother. Congratulations. The Timberwolves are celebrating, I believe it's 35 years this year. Oh, wow. Wow. So, you know, I got, a, I got some years on the Timberwolves. But you know what neither of us have ever seen? A championship. A game one of a finals, of an NBA finals. Ooh. Never seen it. No, I've never seen the Super Bowl either. <laughs> but, you know, see you know, a couple World Series titles. I was, I was at the uh, parade in 87. Yeah. I watched 91 from a college dorm room. Yeah, yeah. Seeing the links just, man, be a dynasty. It's either in the finals or winning the finals. It seemed like every year for dang near a decade. They got four rings out to deal. Uh, we're going to talk about them later too, man. I, I still, for all the Lynx titles, my favorite was the first one because I still remember this vividly watching it. Every clutch fourth quarter moments of almost every game in that final series, they went one four flat to Simone Augustus. Everybody else go stand on the baseline, get out in the way. <laughs> and I just see time after time after time of her giving somebody a nasty Allen Iverson crossover. Right, right. And then step into a mid-range and was Moni every time, bro. It was it was such a beautiful thing to watch because it's why I love Shell Reeves, you know, coaching the culture podcast. You know, I gotta I love a good coach, and man, Shell Reeves kept it so simple. We have a player you cannot stop. Yeah, have to guard her one on one, and she yeah. get her okay. spot every time right. against anybody, and putting it in their eye, <laughs> and we gonna win a title. That was so beautiful. Anyway, I digress. Coach in the culture podcast. There's so much going on in the basketball world since we have last been. Uh, done, done a podcast recording, man. Uh, so, so much going on personally, just this month alone, bro. Mm -hmm. In the same day, I married a child and lost the mother of one of my children. And then two weeks later, my daughter turns 18 and right behind that, I turned 50. Wow. September 2023 been a month, bro. So that's, that's quite a bit. And I can't think of a better way to wind it down that and rock with you and talk Timberwolves basketball, Little Lakes basketball, some FIBA basketball. Look, if I had a basketball-shaped cake over here with a Timberwolves jersey on it. <laughs> that's good. With a little Larry O'Brien trophy, O'Brien trophy sitting on the top. So maybe that'd be the candle. <laughs> uh, let's see if they get lighted on fire this year. Man, you been good? Been good, bro. Yes, uh, sir. Something went back kind of fast, it feels like. I don't know. That's because we have FIBA basketball. We had something to keep us busy. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I'm looking forward to this basketball season. Not looking forward to this winter. But, yeah, let's get it. That is that is the bittersweet, the double-edged sword that is basketball season in Minnesota, huh? We know what comes with it. That's why we need the Wolves to light that on fire on the top. <laughs> All right, man. So, yes, first things first, new intro, right? And so I, there's a work in progress, and I will have a new intro poem uh, before the next new intro music as the Coach and the Culture podcast officially has its own identity. Lance is uh, from Yes Trees is going to be joining us from time to time. I'm still working on Onika Craven. I'm going to get her. 
we just keep bouncing back and forth. Things happened in life, so we couldn't do a pod for a while when she was available. And then when we were ready, she wasn't available. But I cannot wait to talk Minnesota Lynx. Um, and we're going to make that happen before the start of the preseason here. But, man, speaking on the Lynx, I want to start there. We're also going to cover FIBA. Like I said, we're going to cover the Dame trade. We're going to cover media day to day. So much basketball to talk about. But I want to start with the Lynx because their season did just end in their um, – deciding game three loss to the Connecticut Sun, who's giving uh, New York a run for their money right now, giving them everything they can handle in their series. Um, And I can't say enough again about the job that Cheryl Reeves did as a coach this year. Um, I didn't see it. Uh, When they were 0-6, they looked like they were going to be 0 forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And You know, we talk about the Timberwolves and we talk about them needing to find their winning style, right? And as a coach, that's, there's so, like, if you can get a team, whatever the combination of players or talent that you have, and find a style that wins for them, um, that's the pinnacle of the coach. Because when when players are in their style element, they're so much fun to watch. Right. They're so much fun to think with. There's so much fun to strategize with because they know how they're going to play. So they're just basing everything around having counters to what the opponent's going to do. And even a team that's not as talented can give a really talented team fits if they, if they have their identity, if they know who they are, what is their winning style that represents their, their identity. Right. Um, and, and Cheryl finds a way to do that. Uh, unbelievably so. She challenged Nafisa Collier to be one of the best players in the league and do it while impacting winning in ways that maybe aren't Fee's forte. Mm-hmm. At least haven't been, in my opinion, from watching her play from Connecticut all the way in her first few years. She's always been a really dynamic young player, but I've never seen her at any level just kind of go mad. I'm just going to go ISO and look to score almost every time I get it and play make off of a scoring identity, right? Um, be a score like that. And oof, oof. I went to that last playoff game, man. And I often tease and talk about how it was uh, one of our young players against the number two team in the state in their gym last year. Boy, it was, it was fee against the Connecticut stuff for a while there. She was holding her own. She was in the corner on the ropes taking blows, but she was swinging back. She wasn't going out like no punk. <laughs> oh man, it was a beautiful thing to watch. And it's going to be fun to see where they go from there because I think one thing they can believe in is they can believe in their head coach for real. Uh-huh. Beautiful, beautiful thing. So I can't wait. And, and you know what? They're built a lot like the Wolves. You know, everything always comes back to the Wolves on our coach and the culture. And, the, and in, the, in a lot of sense, a lot of the problems they had last year, the Wolves had last season as well, except with less talent than the Wolves in terms of, you know, the parity of their league. So they had these two young players. In the Lynx case, they were rookies. You know, you had Dorka and you had, um, and you had, um, Diamond, right? And, and they made, they played like young players. Right? And then you had these veterans around them, um, that if they could have got those rookies, you know, and, and I mean that not necessarily in just skill. I mean that physically sometimes they got knocked around. They don't have that, you know, all I do is lift weights and play basketball body yet, you know, and, and then they would make little errors throughout the course of a game that if you're going to win at a high level are errors you can't make. And the Timberwolves had a lot of that uh, last year, which is why their record was so poor against uh, 500 teams. It's just a lot of just that youthfulness. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that on the podcast because Finch alluded to that in the, in the media day today, but big ups to Cheryl Reeves and the links. Um, I can't wait until we can get on Nika here and we can have an episode where we talk about 25, 30 minutes of straight links basketball. Um, FIBA, man, we haven't even been on the air since the end of FIBA. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. We, we haven't even talked about, you know, the U.S. team losing their last two games. And really, I want to just, you know, want to talk about it from the Anthony Edwards perspective. And they're going to throw stones at me. I'm getting ready to get stuff thrown at me. I pretty much know it. 
Uh, but maybe this will be a way people let us know how many people are listening on Twitter because we're going to get stuff. I'm going to get stuff thrown at me. Although the world saw what Anthony Edwards can do. And I think we, even as Wolves fans, saw him in an element where we go, man, that dude just continues growing. Because he did a lot of stuff we've seen him do. Um, but doing it with, you know, that level of talent around him and, and on that type of stage, I think, you know, was was something that for us we can get excited about. This is where I get worried. Still ain't win a championship. They didn't win the gold medal. Yeah. They didn't win a medal. And I know that team had flaws. Out. And and you can say on one hand that Anthony Edwards did everything in his power to make that not be the case. Looking at it as a coach's perspective, I think he played extremely well. Mm-hmm. but he did not play necessarily like a player who has the experience of winning a championship, a high-level championship at any level. And I say that because the Magic Johnsons, they don't win that gold medal. <laughs> the Ma- Michael Jordans, they don't win that gold medal. <laughs> Kobe, he gonna win that gold medal, right? You understand what I'm saying, right? Um, and you know, Kobe didn't play college ball. Michael Jordan won an NCAA national championship. Magic Johnson won an NCAA national championship, and learning how to win the toughest games is a skill, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying they lost because of him. That'd be ludicrous. That'd be silly. What I'm saying is what I haven't seen from Anthony Edwards yet. And he's talked about this. Like, don't call me a great star. I haven't even gotten out of the first round of the playoffs. I didn't have a successful college campaign. You know, I don't, I'm not even sure, um, to what level he was playing at or if he won the high school state championship. I'd have to look it up, but, um, what I know is that at a major level, and I think Chris Finch even alluded to this at one point in time, that, you know, Ant still hasn't learned how to win a major level championship in basketball. I'm talking about, you know, from, let's just say, coming of age years all the way on up, mm-hmm. right? Um, And so I would have liked to see him at least get a medal. You know what I'm saying? We know he can perform in the biggest games, but there are things that I continue to say about his development that he's still learning how to play five on five basketball. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I remember BJ Armstrong in, in, in an interview somewhere talking about Michael Jordan. And he said, and I think he even alluded to it on the last dance. Um, he said uh, that, you know, Michael Jordan got to a point where he wasn't even playing basketball anymore. He would have let us play basketball. <laughs> And then come the fourth quarter, he'd just take over the game and we'd win. But over the course of that, he'd have 30-some points. Mike always attacked at the beginning of the shot clock. We're at the end of the shot clock, and fourth quarter was closing time. Right, right. With scoring in between there was off of defense, turnovers, transition, or out of the flow of the triangle offense. But he was ultra-aggressive early clock. His job was to make shots late clock. And then fourth quarter, he's the best coach that ever did it. Now, I bring up Michael Jordan because people keep mentioning Ant's name with him, but it really bothers me. Mm-hmm. His name should be mentioned with Mike. I don't even like getting into the LeBron discussion because when it comes to learning the skill of winning, once Mike mastered that skill, yeah, game change. Six and zero in the fires. Yeah, six and zero. But Dean Smith taught it to him. See, Ant didn't have that lesson, right? And that's where going to college for three years, that's another conversation. But mm-hmm. so FIBA, um, that's what concerned me about it. Outside of that, I thought it was fun basketball to watch. I loved watching the way teams whip their bodies and the balls around. 
I think it was probably a reminder to the NBA players, especially because all of those players are young. Oh, yeah. This is what it looks like when it doesn't matter how much money you make per each shot. It only matters if you win or lose. Right. This is what it looks like when you conform your skill sets to a ball movement and team chemistry concept as opposed to just try to outskill people because, you know, and, and teamwork takes time. So there's a lot of other elements and FIBA that played a role into the U.S. team. And the U.S. team doesn't take the world championship seriously. It doesn't. You know, that's why there was no Steve, Steph Curry. There's no Dane Lillard. There's no Devin Booker. There's no Jason Tatum. You know, it, it, it doesn't take it as seriously. And I think it was a good experience for those young players. But for Timberwolves concern, I feel like Ant did himself well. Mm-hmm. Willing to give it the A performance that it seems like so many people are talking about. They're like, oh, that's going to, you know, he's going, he's next, he's next, he's next. I still want to see his improvement in the five-on-five game area and game management where he's dominating games even when he's not involved with the play. So that's, you know, that's that's my thought. People are going to throw stones at me from that, but I'm looking at it from a coach's perspective and, you know, that consistency. It's, it's winning time, right? It's winning time. Um, Cat, on the other hand, in the World Cup. That's a team that I think, you know, wasn't favored to win anything. I think Cat needed to go have fun. And he did that. And as a coach, I'm happy to see that. You know, as a coach, that's, that's, it's nice to see a player who's constantly under scrutiny and that scrutiny comes from his ability at a game that he probably loves. So there's a double-edged sword there, right? Yes, it pays him well, but nobody wants to feel like there's this negative energy around him. And Cat just went to the Philippines and had himself a ball. He was jacking up whatever shot, you know, he, he, he you know, he was doing whatever he wanted out there and having fun dancing <laughs> we all up in the video dancing <laughs> and uh yeah and having a ball um it does concern me going back to losing that uh semifinal game with Kentucky against Wisconsin that cat has not won you know a playoff series or a college national championship um and the team that he was most successful on was just a team that literally out-talented everybody, but then got beat by a team that out-executed and out-worked them. And that's, you know, how have the Timberwolves been beaten? You know, so there's some things that worry me um, on that tip. Um, but everybody came away healthy, which was number one. Uh, sounds like positive experiences all around for everybody, if not, you know, maxed out positive because that's all I'm 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 you know I'm slicing hairs but I want to see Ant win a trophy you know before I'm willing to because everybody talks about how he wants to win he wants to win he wants to win and I'm sure he will get there he's 22 but winning is also a skill and it's a skill that very 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 few possess and I'm sure Tom Brady will tell you he didn't always have the best team when he went to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. but he got to the Super Bowl and he won because the skill of winning finds a way. I wish I had it. <laughs> you can have it, brother. Oh, man. Someday, some days. Oh, you on that mic, bro. You got it. Oh, yeah. no, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, so, FIBA was, it kept us engaged this summer. It was fun. And, yeah. And next year's the Olympics, and we'll see what the roster and the team looks like. I do have a sneaking suspicion Ant will be on it. And I think that, you know, so, you know, God willing, he's healthy. And I think that that will be a truly remarkable experience for him because I do think he'll be on a team that if LeBron stays healthy this year and is serious about playing, um, that has LeBron and Steph Curry and, 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 to be around those dudes at this stage of Ant's career and at this stage of their career and see their discipline and routine and habit forming and, you know, soak up that knowledge, that game. 
That might be what puts him over the top. Because one thing that they know how to do is win. That's true. They got rings. Plural. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, um, big trade news, man. In the quiet of the night. Ooh. With no suspicion of fanfare. Miami, 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 Milwaukee. <laughs> Dane is going to Milwaukee. <laughs> uh man. And Aiden and Drew Holiday are going to Portland. There's already talks about Drew moving being moved. And as soon as word popped out that Drew might be being moved, Timberwolves Twitter was all about you know how a Drew look in in a Wolves uniform, and it's enticing. It's enticing, but I just got to roll with Mike Conley. I just don't. I just. I I think if Drew Holiday was twenty six, mm-hmm. maybe you'd be like, okay, we don't have much, but we can start with Conley and and slow mo, and if we find another team in there. Take some of these other guys, we might be able to get them to give you something and we might be able to move something around. I don't know. You know, they whatever well, they they might activate effort. But uh at thirty three years old, Mike Conley's thirty five years old. Uh, Mike Conley fits this team, I think, like a glove. I'm excited to see what a whole season of Mike Conley at the I don't want to say the point because yeah, technically though list him as a point guard and all that analytics so talk about him being a point guard but Mike Conley's a basketball player yeah and Mike Conley um, I think just his influence on the court his ability to tell a person with the ball where the ball needs to go just by being on the floor mm-hmm. you know is is so huge um, and I think you just you don't want to mess with that as much as like the idea defensively of Drew Holiday, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, and Rudy Gobert on the floor all at the same time. Not even just defensively, but two way. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that'd be a handful. Imagine being the point guard, the 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 the, the one, two, and three, and you got to face them on defense all night long. That's, that's they're bringing lunch pail. You know? <laughs> But Mike Conley, in his own way, is very, very effective defensively. He's not bad on the ball. I mean, he's not not twenty five year old Mike Conley on the ball. But speaking of which, man, did you did you check out the uh, media day press conferences today? You seen any of that on YouTube yet? No, not yet, man. I don't know if it was the camera angle or what, but Mike Conley looks like he been bodybuilding. Man, his shoulders look big. I said, "Ooh, Mike then broke up." Now, maybe he always been big like that, and it was just the way he was wearing his jersey and the angle. But I was like, oh, it was like Mike at 35 was like, okay, I got to get my body ready to take these hits. I like this team. I'm trying to be here. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to be healthy this season because he knows I think him being healthy is um, – I think that is a fail-safe um, against a lot of things. You know, he he can cover up for – a lot of injuries or whatever nicks and knacks to everybody else because he can play so many roles from his position. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Mike, Mike is real important that, that veteran mind, quality veteran mind, not just veteran mind, but Mike's a brilliant minded basketball player. He, he gets it. Um, so yeah, and to complete the trade, uh, Nurkic, uh, Use of Nurkic, uh, Grayson Allen, Nazir Little, uh, Keon Johnson going to Phoenix. There's some draft picks involved in all of this. But uh, Dame Dalla has hooked up with the Greek Freak and Chris Can I Stay Healthy Middleton and uh, Lopez and Milwaukee is uh, Portis. Yep, OG Bobby Portis. Well, what Milwaukee went and got was a, a, a premier closer, a premier closer. So they can just go, you know, one four, one three, whatever position Giannis is playing in, one five, whatever he's playing on a given day, down the stretch of games, and good luck stopping Damian Lillard. Or if you got to put two on him, then you got Giannis playing three on two on the backside. You know, uh, I'm sorry, um, you know, four on three on the backside, and 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 uh, that's crazy. That's you don't want Giannis playing four on three all night, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and that's that's 
Yeah, good luck. Have fun with that. You know, and then you got Chris Middleton as a kickout man. Woo, that's a lot. You got Malik Beasley. Um, what over there in Milwaukee? Yeah. Yeah, floor spacing. Floor spacing. You don't want to give Malik Beasley a steady diet, a wide open catch and shoot threes. That would be problematic. Well, they got Robin Lopez too. Yeah. Yeah, no, Milwaukee's loaded, man. Milwaukee Milwaukee is loaded. I think that um, what they did by bringing in Dane was they took a lot of pressure and wear and tear off of uh, Giannis throughout the season. They can share the load and come playoff time, you know, now you can't just load up on Giannis with four players. Truly can. And, and Dane might be one of the best closers of his generation. You know, think all the big-time shots he's made and the fact that you got to guard him 35 feet from the basket. That creates a lot of space for Giannis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To play four and three. Because you got to guard Dame at the logo in clutch time. He's proven it. Yes. Sidestep buzzer mm-hmm. 35. I forget about it. Now, I didn't totally forget about it, but just when I think about Dame, I think about, like you said, his clutch ability. Like, Yeah, yeah. And, and you know you're always going to be in a game with Giannis. So. Man, that. Like, for him to be out the spacing. Mm-hmm. And guess what Giannis learned a couple of years ago? How to win a title. So now he 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 can show Dane this is how you win it. So, so that's gonna be but they're in the Eastern Conference, so we're not too worried about that. You know, one one less one less spot being taken up for the all star game for Ant. Right. <laughs> you know, and Ant can represent the West. He can take over that spot now. Um, Timberwolves, man. Today was media day. And oh my goodness, if you ask me, if you, if from the way that, that my mind works when I evaluate, um, and, and try to get into the, you know, I imagine my way into the, to the framework of the wolves and, and what they're going to look like. And it was juicy. It was juicy stuff today, man. Oh my goodness. It was juicy stuff in my opinion. Um, and the reason why I think it was juicy is because this shown to be a team that I think is very self-aware right now in terms of maybe coming into last year, not really realizing how hard it was going to be, not really realizing how their habits or lack thereof could impact their goals toward success. Um, and from listening to them talk today, and it's all talk until it's on the court, but they seem like a team that is very self-aware. Just so you got to go out and prove that and be that. Because if this is a team that does that doesn't uh, ascend because of outside of injuries, the same um, afflictions that they that you know that were problematic for them last year um you know now we're getting into the definition of insanity because you are aware of your flaws you're very aware of your flaws um and most of them are just a direct result of effort not that they're not playing hard mm-hmm. but determination to win the grit that they showed in the playoffs in games, you know, two, three, four, and five. You know, um, what they show was grit and an effort. And, you know, can you take that mentality and put it forth for 82 games so that, you know, you don't have those maturity problems that have played them. We talked about them at the beginning of last year. If you recall last year, I said I wasn't willing to give them 50 games last year because of the maturity. They hadn't shown it yet. The valuing of possessions, the not giving away points, arguing with the refs, all of that stuff. And yeah, you know, I still think they win 48, 49 games if Cat is healthy, but I don't think they make it to 50 even with a healthy Cat. Now, 49 games would have got them a, what, a four seed, five seed last year, but you know, 42 got them what they got because they threw away too many games with immaturity. And that was like Tim Connolly harped on it. 
today. That was, he was the first interview. And if there was, if there was something that was repeated consistently, it was, we have to be more mature. You know, um, he talked about their record against the bottom six teams in the league multiple times. Mm-hmm. Finch talked about it, um, almost right away. Um, and, you know, Finch talked about, you know, leading the league in technical fouls. He said, we're not proud of that. That's got to change. And being seven, seven and 13 against the bottom six teams in the league, you know, um, and, and Kylie talking about maturity throughout the entire organization, just everybody being a standard of professionalism that takes care of the little things. Um, and, and, and Chris Finch talked about their identity. And what have we been talking about on this show? Their winning style. They have to find their winning style, right? And 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 that's what they didn't get a chance to do by basically having three iterations of a team all in one season last year um, and three iterations of a new team. New, regroup, into new again, regroup, into new again. This year, not as new. This year, hopefully a training camp, you know, where guys are healthy and they can come into the season having at least developed a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C for how they're going to um, find their winning style. But we also talked about it on this show a couple pods ago. This team has bought into defense. They've bought into defense 100%. Um, you know, Troy Brown Jr., defense. Obviously, Jaden McDaniels. Mike Conley is a better defender than D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, obviously, Rudy Gobert. Anthony Edwards is the linchpin to all of it. Will he consistently play? Again, talk about MJ. Will Ant play defense with the same intensity that he plays offense with the whole time he's out on the floor? Is he in the shape to do that? And do the Timberwolves have enough depth like they thought they did last year with Jalen Noel, but it turned out it didn't work out that way to be able to stay, um, to keep their scoring output up when Ant is off the floor. Mm-hmm. Not having Carl Anthony Towns didn't help with that last year either because, you know, you got to think that there's a plan where if Ant's not on the floor and things are running through Cat, if Cat's, you know, that, and that's kind of how that goes. You go through your next best offensive player and flow off of that. So, you know, but that's it. That maturity thing, if Ant decides not to show up on a given night because it's Charlotte, Charlotte's not doing too hot, and it's a Tuesday night, and it's, you know, early December, <laughs> you know, November, uh, you end up losing those games. And I think the Timberwolves seem to be self-aware and know that they have been bitten the butt by that. The ass has been chafed. And... <laughs> And this year they have to be more mature than that. They have to be better than that and, and find their winning style and find it early. Chris Finch talked about it. Um, and, and then the other thing is rebound the basketball. And that again, that's effort and maturity. You know, we keep talking on, uh, we have these conversations on the Richfield staff with, with the coaches because they, they tease me because I'm the defense and rebound guy and I preach it. <laughs> you know, like I, from day one, I've been preaching when I, when I got over there, look, defend and rebound, defend and rebound, defend and rebound. And we keep our stats and our tallies. And most of the time when we lose a game, it's because we turned the ball over or we didn't rebound or both. <laughs> and it, it doesn't matter at every level, you know. What cost Team USA the gold medal possibilities in FIBA? They could not rebound the ball and therefore put too much pressure on their defense. And then all of a sudden they couldn't defend because it's deflating when you're constantly giving up points when you technically get a stop and you don't rebound the basketball. And then you add that to turnovers and that's deflating too. And all of a sudden your offensive numbers look horrible. Right. And if you're a good defensive team. And that's what happened to the Wolves. And that's what they got to fix. Plain and simple. And we'll see how much Cat's health plays a role. Um, something else I thought was uh, interesting um, 
is Chris Finch talked about, you know, wanting to play fast, but they kind of have a slow team and wanting to play freely, but they got a team that's built really for more structure. Um, they want to get on the offensive glass, but they also have to be able to get back in defensive transition, right? Um, and when you know you're not a slow team, you have to play with more effort. Cat, you got to get, you got to, you got to run. When you're not fast as it is, you can't afford to be slow and not be willing to sprint. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think the finding structure and playing free thing that also relates to the freedom as you get out and run. If we don't score in transition, now we got to play within a structure. Um, but I also think there's freedom within a structure if you put guys in spaces and have them move out of spaces. Um, and, and, and then they can play free flowing out of those spaces. And most offenses are designed with that anyway. I think in the NBA, they often just kind of, they go rogue or improv. We talked about it a lot on this, this pod is, you know, during the season last year is young players going rogue and, and that can muddle the spacing, uh, or unfamiliar players going rogue and that can muddle the spacing. So as a coach, you know, you can see that it's not that difficult of a thing. It's just the players have to buy in, you know. Um, and Chris Finch had mentioned, uh, I think uh, I'm trying to remember which interview it was. It might have been the interview with Dane Moore on the Dane Moore's podcast, where he said that you know he thought it would come a little bit more quickly or be a little bit more come a little bit more easily than it did last year. And I think because as a coach, you're like, okay, this is simple. Everybody stays spread out in these spaces and work off of that, but players have their own agendas sometimes as to how they want to get the ball. Um, One of the big takeaways that we talked about that Coach Finch talked about too was um, not just rebounding, but perimeter rebounding. And the fact that they were, they were last in the league uh, in getting to long rebounds. You know, that that's that youth and effort thing. That's that understanding that you can't impact winning with the primary mindset to do it by scoring, you know, um, and that's where I think Ant has to get better at learning how to win. Allen Iverson never won an NBA championship either. And, you know, that style is really difficult because how do you maximize your personnel? Allen Iverson was very ball dominant. When he got the ball, if he passed, it was a scoring pass. You know, and from a guard standpoint, you know, you could say the same thing about LeBron, but look at everything else LeBron does to impact winning and how often he makes that pass, how willing he, how early he'll make that pass, you know, and that's why LeBron understand how to influence winning and still score 28 points a game, you know, using his abilities to do that. So, um, those little things. Jaden McDaniels has not really been called out. I don't think the way that he should be for his being as much of a part of the rebounding issue that he is, but he's just got to go get him. Yes. He's on the perimeter more often, but if you have somebody with the talent and length and athleticism, Jaden McDaniels guarding on the perimeter, there's no reason you should be last in the league in long rebounds. If you have Anthony Edwards guarding on the perimeter, who's probably more often than not the elite athlete on the court, then there's no reason you should be last in long rebound. What that tells you is they are standing and watching the ball every time a shot goes up. They are not tracking the ball and moving to where the rebound might come down or boxing their guy out at all. And that's young. I'm sorry. That's just young AAU habits. And at this stage, that's that maturity piece. You have to grow out of that habit because that is something that is really easy to control. Go get the rebound on the missed three-point shot by being active, not standing and watching. That's something that we teach our 10th graders. Don't stand and watch. Nothing good happens when you're standing and watching. So that's that, you know, those are those maturity things. And and Chris Finch even said, I can show it to them on film, but, you know, at the end of the day, they got to give a shit. They've got to have the give a shit factor, as he says. Oh, uh, and that I know was on the day more. <laughs> uh, 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 I'm sorry. That was, uh, on Britt Robeson's uh, men post uh, interview. interview. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, Britt Robson, I'm sorry. And so that's, it's really like people watch 
the game and they criticize players and this, that, and other thing. And a lot of times it's just that simple. And for the Wolves, if that's the difference between you winning at a really, really, really high level and not, then you have, because you have more talent than a lot of teams on most nights. So do the give a shit things that win games. But that's what happens when, you know, last season, uh, the two players that played the most minutes, minutes were 21 and 22 years old. So it's not an excuse, but it's the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter, man. Also, you know, staying on the theme of um, media day. There's been a lot of talk on Twitter and on podcasts about, well, Nas is playing more minutes at the four. That means Kyle Anderson has to play more minutes at the three. And I am not a big fan of all the analytics. And this stat says this, and this says that, and like, at, you know, Yes, that, that matters to a certain extent, but to say, well, this guy plays so much better, it impacts the game so much better numerically when he's playing the four versus when he's playing the three. And I, I just don't buy into that because there's so many variables and who you're on the floor with matters. And so, um, you know, I think Kyle Anderson will play the three just fine. I think Nas is the big one at the four. Will he, will he rebound? long rebounds from the four spot. Will he be able to stay in front of people? How do they get stops with Nas playing the four? Can he get down and move his feet? Um, you know, that that will remain to be seen. Nas is gonna be fine offensively no matter where he plays, because Nas got skills and he's got game. So, you know, I don't care what the numbers say, Nas got game. <laughs> so there's that. Um and, and and Kyle playing the three is Kyle's a point player he's just he's he's a player that makes good decisions with the ball and can guard multiple people on the floor so once you get out of the mindset of traditional positions because it, the nba is so free-flowing a lot of times you just have to match up anyway on defense um most of the times when that matters is in the half court um kyle d- is positionless he's going to be on the floor he's going to guard whatever guy on the other team, guys, plural, and he's going to have the ball in his hands and he's going to be able to run screen and roll game for you. He's going to be able to play in the middle of the zone for you. He's going to be able to go to the corner for you and knock down a shot. And he's going to do it all effectively. So I just think there's too much from the way I think about things and the way I think about coaching the game. There's just too much that Kyle can do to lock him into well, the numerics say he uh, impacts the game like this when he's the four versus not he's a net uh, 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 a net negative when he's playing the three. But this was back in De- uh, Memphis with different players or in San Antonio with different players. You're playing with the players you have now, and at the end of the day, none of that has any bearing um, when you know what a player is capable of. You just try to put them in positions to succeed. And the NBA so positionless now that very little of that matters. Oh, another nugget. Rudy is really the only one, my man, that talked about being a top-notch defensive team in the league. You know, and talked about individually guarding and how they have individual uh, potential defensively, and that's Ant's mindset. You know, he still tends to think of the game in a one-on-one vacuum. Um, but Rudy talked about being a top defensive team. And and Finch, you know, talked about wanting to be defensive-minded as the identity. Rudy, I think, understands that if you are, you know, last year they were ninth in defense and they won 42 games and Cat missed how many of them? You know, 53 games, 55 games. Um and so what if they can be a top five defense in the league this year and improve to a top 10 offense? Well, now you're probably a top four or five seed with the personnel you have, mm-hmm. you know? And so Rudy understands that last year in one year together and uh, half of that year with D'Angelo Russell, you know, he, you guys were, I think, number nine in the league on defense. And you made it into the playing game. If you guys can go from number nine to number five on defense or number three on defense, you know, and how do you do that? You defensive rebound, you get back in transition, 
you make it a focal point. How do you do that? You take shots from expected places where you know, where your teammates know the shots are going to come from and you take them in rhythm. So then you can get on the offensive glass and balance the floor. Again, that's where Finch is trying to go. That's that maturity piece. Everything gets better when you guys have your style, your continuity, your identity. I know that so-and-so is going to, you know, I know that Kylie is going to take this shot off this pass here. I'm going to start my crash early. I know this action is going to be open. And that's how you get rebounds. Um, And if you're putting pressure on the glass, other teams have to keep more people back to rebound. Now this goes down their transition. Now your half-court defense gets set. Now your defense is better. That's mature basketball. But when you come down and go nine dribbles, ISO rogue, and everybody's standing around and the other team pretty much knows you're going to shoot because they can see it in your face, if you don't make that shot, it's a fast break starter. So that's mature. That And that's the mature basketball piece. And so being better defensively as a team is connected to everything else. Um, big part of that, I think the most important player this season and, and, and his, his session I thought was, was fun. Uh, he's shown to be a lot of fun and a great personality. Mike Conley, uh, bro, Mike Conley looked jacked. Mike Conley looked like he's planning on staying healthy for as close to 82 games in the playoffs as he can possibly be. Bro looked like he'd been in the weight room. <laughs> like he's, he's taking care of his body. Um, and, and, uh, you know, 35 years old, we talk about it being an older player, but then we same at the same time, we talk about how today's technology and nutrition and fitness and players' regimens and routines has made it so players can play at a really high level athletically a lot longer than before. Um, and so at some point in time, we have to decide what really is an old player versus a declined player. Um, Mike Conley doesn't seem to be a declined player. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, and even he talked today about having a basketball role, you know, as opposed to being a traditional point guard role. He's like, I get to in this system, just be a basketball player, you know? And so that whole position thing, I think Finch really does buy into mostly positionless basketball. Which you know, ultimately you have to have an organizer coming down the stretch, fourth quarter of games. You have to have an organizer, mm-hmm. but throughout the course of a game, um, I think that that those guys. It all depends on who gets the rebound and who's up ahead and all of that. Um, another a, a big thing. Uh, moving moving from Mike before we get into you know what. Uh, something interesting Jane brought up, but a big theme between uh, really Mike mentioned the word, Jaden mentioned the word, Nikhil mentioned the word. Uh, trust. And if you remember, we did an episode called trust fall. Remember we, during the playoffs and we talked about the Timberwolves were a team that had not quite learned to play with trust um, because everything was still so new. And so as I kept hearing that word come up, I was like, yeah, this, this is, this is what we've been talking about and why I'm saying that they're talking the talk. They're talking like a team that's self-aware, you know, cause Mike Conley talked about his teammates trusting that when he calls for the ball, he has good intentions, you know, maybe ants going off, but cats been quiet, you know, ant go, I'm, I'm going to come back to you. Don't worry. Hit me with the rod. Let me run the set and get cat going. You know, or Rudy might need, you know, Rudy need a touch, you know, and just trusting that if they give him the ball, what he's going to do with it has good intentions for the overall team. Right. And so. And then Jaden talked about, you know, trust on defense and trusting and being able to communicate and, you know, trusting Rudy and, and how to how to trust Rudy, trusting that, you know, he can do certain things or push his player in a certain way defensively and he doesn't have to try to do everything get to everything himself. You know, he talked about learning how to trust Rudy. And then Nikhil Alexander talked about learning how to trust himself and trusting Finch and Finch trusting him. Right. And so 
Um, as you very well know, part of any winning style involves trust. Because once you have trust, you can develop that style. And once you have that style, you have that part of that style is trust in each other and trust in what you're doing. That if you just continue that trust, um, then things will work out because it keeps working out for you when you do it. Right. It's that positive reinforcement. So, um, these are themes that I bring up because these are themes we've been talking about on the coach and the culture podcast throughout as we've critiqued the team and talked about, you know, why they're close and yet why they're still far away. Right. Um, because obviously the higher the stakes, the more important the trust. But what we saw last year in that series with Denver over the course of that series, I think even is that they were learning to trust in certain things. And, you know, they weren't healthy and they were up against obviously the team that really had the best cohesiveness in the entire league and ends up holding up the trophy at the end. Mm-hmm. But I think that trust that you started to see forming, even in, you know, who was left after all the bodies had dropped between Kyle and Nas and Jaden and, you know, you're losing, you're, you're missing three of your top seven rotation players. Um, and what that did was it put your starting five on the floor a lot. You know, that starting five played a lot of minutes, 40 plus minutes a game. Um, especially, you know, down the back half of the playoffs. And that's how you develop it, you know, on the floor. And that starting five that played then didn't include who's going to be starters now. It didn't include Jaden over, you know, no. Right. And so, um, and so that, and Chris Finch talked about, he said, we have to get in the camp and we have to go to work and we have to develop our identity and we have to do it and we have to get off to a good start. Like he, he talked about that. Right. Um, and so those were all some really, really interesting nuggets. Jaden talked about feeling, believing he's capable of being a 20 and 25 point a game score in the league. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in a lot of ways, whether we're talking potential trade later down the line with one of the uh, all-star centers um, and Jaden taking on a bigger role offensively because of that. Um, or, uh, you know, Jaden just kind of moving into more of a ball dominant role and Cat taking yet another step, you know, uh, sacrificing even more. That I'll be curious to see, though. I, I think Jaden would have to be very successful at whatever he's doing for uh, for that to happen. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that. But he has that mentality that he he feels like he's there, and and uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that translates into how aggressive he is on the offensive end this year when he gets his opportunities. Um, and so, yeah, um, Troy Brown Jr. I thought was engaging um, and talked about being. Um, a point guard every, uh, in his entire career for the most part up until he, up until he got to, uh, up until he got to, to, to college where, you know, and really up until he got to the pros where he's become more of a three and D type player. And I thought that was really interesting, um, because, because maybe there's some more to unlock there in terms of how Chris Finch likes everybody to be a basketball player. Like do what you do well, well, but, if there's other things that you do average or slightly above average, let's incorporate those things and not just pigeonhole you. And that's one of the reasons why sometimes I think it's hard to mesh. And we look at some of the shot selection of the Timberwolves and we go, dang, for real, that guy, that shot then, you know, but he empowers those guys. We'll see how much of that changes and or how much it doesn't have to change because maybe some of these new guys shaking Troy Brown Jr. coming in here have a better understanding of the wins. You know, when do I take this shot? What and the what, you know, the shot uh, choice as opposed to shot selection, like we talked about um, in a previous episode. So, yeah, man, that was just, you know, some of my take from the media day uh, nuggets. I know I know it was a lot, you know, Mr. Having last here, uh, but I'm hoping that listeners at least find that kind of coach think engaging. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'd love to, I sometimes I love to just like have a, a round table panel with just some listeners that you know haven't necessarily coached basketball or even played it maybe at uh you know past some high school and just you know really 
see how they think versus what sometimes I think gets put out on Twitter, which sometimes I'm like, ooh, until you haven't really played, that's not really how that works, <laughs> you know, or, and, and that's not to knock it. It's just, you know, having a different experience, you know, have, having been in the locker room and having led teams, you know, basketball is not that. The complicated part is the human element. Mm-hmm. And, and for, and that's the part that the Timberwolves got to get over. And that's why Rudy's always talking about forming those habits and Finch is talking about forming those habits because it's the human element that makes it hard when you have the type of talent that the Timberwolves have. Mm-hmm. Will you be first to the loose balls? Will you be first to the long rebounds? Will you box out your guy? Or are you going to stand and watch? Will you sprint back? Or are you going to jog back? Are you going to complain to the refs and get a tech or complain to the refs and, and let the other team get a transition bucket? Or are you going to get up and, and play and then talk to the refs in a dead ball situation? Um, you know, I, those are the things that are the human element. You know, um, are you going to trust each other and keep the ball moving and keep playing and keep your body moving? Or are you going to stop trust at the most crucial moments and play hero ball? Right. Yeah. Uh, those are the things that, that they have to, that they have to develop those human element things. Which and that's every team, and that's what makes that's what makes it. You know, we marvel at the skill and the and the talent. I'm also marveling at the thought processes that's going on out there. To me, that's what makes basketball fascinating. Is knowing that, you know, really, it's 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 a human thing. I know if I can make you lose the ball, that's advantage me. You know that if you can get by me, that's advantage you. You know, and then from a team schematic standpoint, now that's five on five. So the coach, how can we make your team lose the ball? And you're like, how can we make our team score? Well, sometimes it's just taking advantage of one dude that we know falls asleep a lot. Like, it cut back door on him, you know? <laughs> or taking advantage of one dude that, that, uh, that has a, has a bad habit that, you know, we can exploit that doesn't box out, that just turns and stands and watches. You know, and so if the Timberwolves can clean up the human element and they seem to be self-aware, they seem to be self-aware of what caused them to not achieve their goals. And they talking like a team that has a mindset on correcting them because they really are. The tails are going to be easy. Are they getting back in transition? Are they defensive rebounding the ball? Are they moving the balls and moving their bodies? Are they winning the 50-50 balls? Are they, you know, letting the ball dictate where the shot's going to come from? That's what the good teams do. I don't care if you're playing 60 and up regularly or if you're playing, you know, 9U or if you're playing in the NBA. The championship teams take care of those things and, oh, by the way, also have championship-level skill and talent players. Timberwolves believe they have that. They got a lot of alls by their name. So then what's what's stopping them? That's a good point. You know, and so that's that's why this season I think is gonna be fascinating. I that's why I found Media Day fascinating because very rarely have I seen a Timberwolves team this self aware in a, such a realistic and matter of fact way, all the way from the president of basketball operations all the way down the line. Um especially their core players. Um, you know, I, it, I just think that it, it's, it's, it's put up or shut up time. Put up or shut up. And the league's not going to be kind. It's not going to be kind. Mm-hmm. Not when you got to go see what they build in Phoenix and, you know, they still got Luca and Kyrie in Dallas last time that I checked, you know, uh, you know, to, to quote Nipsey, uh, you know, uh, the Lakers still got LeBron and AD and, you know, if they can figure out how to cover for Austin Reeves, because boy, the world exposed him, boy, it's like this dude got no defense. You go at him to score anytime you want. And so, you know, if they can figure out how teams don't hunt Austin Reeves, no, um, they're going to continue to be there. Sacramento's probably like, yep, keep sleeping on us. <laughs> Memphis is like, yep, keep sleeping on us. You know, and Denver's like, oh, anybody going to mention us, by the way? 
didn't didn't we win it last year? I don't, I don't remember us. You know, I don't think we too much worse. As if I recall, we still got two time MVP. Could be three time MVP. Might be MVP again next year. You know, so you know, San Antonio went and got an alien. <laughs> they, they went and got they went and got a a, a seven foot five Kevin Durant. <laughs> you know, they said we coming, <laughs> we coming. You know, yeah. So Chris Finch has his hands full getting this team to uh, be mature and be disciplined and play like a professional team that's serious about um, competing for a championship. And I think we can say that with this team, even though they haven't gotten out of the first round of the playoffs. And I think we can only say that because the level of determination that they played with shorthanded against Denver, if they haven't learned anything from that final series, it should be if we play with that level of determination and focus consistently throughout a season, how good can we be? How good, how good can we be when we lock in? Because I saw a team that was locked in. They just didn't have enough bullets in the gun. Mm-hmm. And I probably shouldn't use that analogy in this modern-day America, but get the point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and 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 so, um, and I think they feel like, oh, but now that we have our reinforcements back, can we capture that focus um, and be serious with intent to play the season with intent to be a top seed, not intent to no, not 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 from a narcissistic perspective, but from a business like focus and intent. We got to go out and win as many games as we possibly can win because we have a mission. And when you play like that, you don't give up so many of those long rebounds and you don't get beat down the floor and you don't um, take so many hero shots and and have matchup lapses in transition and get killed on the defensive boards. You just don't. So we'll see. We'll see what it brings, man. I'm excited uh, to get this season underway. Uh, hopefully we'll have Lance back next episode and uh, possibly Onika Craven. I, that's really what I want as the next guest. Uh, and, and I hear, man, we're working on a location. Is that what I hear? It is true. It is true. So live. We're on a video on location. Uh, find us a little podcast home and get serious about it. You know, got to, I got to. Maybe, yeah. maybe we should do. Maybe I should put an igloo in the backyard in January, and we do an episode from an igloo. Nah, is <laughs> it nah? Nah, we ain't we ain't that Minnesota. <laughs> hey man, you put a candle in the igloo, they get pretty warm. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> I have coached. What's that? I'll say uh, we should be live, uh, live recording in next uh, next episode. Next episode, and then and we'll we'll we're going to chill to the next episode. Yes, Coach in the Culture Podcast. I am Coach Frank. We got Super Producer Lord Leon Coop laid back, Coop in the spot. Coop be laid back, be like, yeah, man. (laughs) Okay, next spot, you know, groovy, man. Uh, man, hope you had a little fun with us. Um, hopefully you learned a little bit about uh, uh, maybe, or if not learned a little bit, you know, has has some food for thought about uh, media day to day and and maybe what's going on in in the inner workings of how the Timberwolves are trying to put this machine together. Man, stuff we've been talking about: continuity, trust, maturity. You know, identity, your winning style, all this stuff we've been talking about uh, really all the way from the second half of last season until today, apparently, is the stuff that they talked about media day to day, ultimately, uh, were the ultimate themes in terms of how are we going to win? How are we going to take the next step? The good thing is none of that is physical. So they feel like they have the physical tools and the skill. Now it's a matter of becoming a professional operation. So we'll see how it happens. Man, we got to get together recording the next episode soon. Uh, get on Nico on here. Let's keep it rolling. Yes, sir.
Thank you all for tuning in to the Coach and the Culture podcast. Give us some feedback on Twitter, uh, at Coach Crooner still on Twitter uh, until we can get it fixed. Um, or you can just, you know, reach out to me, uh, Frank Santuali, on Twitter, uh, Coach and the Culture podcast on Facebook, Coach and the Culture podcast on Instagram. DM us, hit us up. Let me know what you think. Thanks for listening. Peace.